0: In this episode of Women in Sailing, I talk to Liz Wardley about her life journey so far. Her first experiences with sailing in Papua New Guinea, leaving school at the age of 16 to pursue her sailing career. We also touch on her work life in Australia and New Zealand before she headed off overseas and found herself embarking on her first Volvo Ocean Race. She has now competed in three Volvo Ocean races and has and will continue to sail in some wonderful places around the world professionally. More recently, Liz joined Maiden on her round-the-world tour and ended up in the Caribbean earlier this year. Liz made her way home to Australia during COVID and returned to Queensland, where she's enjoying some well-earned R&R and is spending her time kite surfing, training, and staying in touch with her contacts from around the world. She has set her eyes on her fourth round the world race in the ocean race, and is keen to get back on the water to compete. I'd like to welcome Liz Wardley. Hi Liz, how are you? Great to have you here today. How's Queensland? It's it's a lovely sunny day. I've just spent two hours out in the surf so I can't complain. I thought you might have. Yeah, (laughs) that would have been amazing just to um, begin the day. Do you get up early?
1: I always get up as the sun's coming up pretty much and try and get out and do something straight away.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. That's terrific. Enjoying the time at home.
1: Uh, I am actually. It's uh, mm. it's sort of an un, an unscheduled visit, so um, it's always nice to have a bit of extra time at home and be able to play with your toys.
0: Yep, sure is. I've just shared on my Facebook group the Volvo documentary series No Ordinary Women, and I've been following you on Maiden. But before we go there, can you tell us a little bit about growing up in Papua New Guinea and the road to Sydney?
1: Yeah, okay. So, yeah, I, well, I was born and grew up in Papua New Guinea. We, first of all, we lived on the islands up in the north, Rabaul, and uh, my family was into game fishing. And so I was always around the yacht club and around boats, and I got quite into game fishing myself. Um we then moved to the capital city when I was a young teenager and continued on the game fishing and I was pretty, I was pretty convinced I was going to be a fisherman when I grew up and, uh, <laughs> and I hated sailing <laughs> and then uh, I got invited to go Hobie Cat sailing and uh, kicked and screamed and my dad dragged me over there by my ear and uh, went out sailing and there was, it was pretty breezy, we capsized, I probably injured myself. It was, it was, I came back with the biggest grin and I was hooked. <laughs>
0: and how old were you then?
1: I uh, would have been around 13. Okay. Okay.
0: That was around um, Port Moresby?
1: Yeah, that was in Port Moresby. Yeah. Okay. And so then uh, uh, a guy called Mark Rufer, who taught me a lot about sailing, um, sort of took me under his wing and we started doing a lot of international regattas on the Hopi Cats on the 16s. And uh, got some pretty good results here and there. And then I decided offshore sailing was the next thing.
0: <laughs> so mm-hmm. I
1: tried to get on as many different boats as I could, which, you know, there wasn't many in PNG, but I did a few deliveries here and there and a couple of races. And then I decided that, I don't know why, but I decided that sailing was going to be my career path at a wise age of 15. So I, oh, wow. <laughs> I convinced my parents to, um, to let me quit school. After year ten and
0: go and pursue that, <laughs> so it was a bit crazy. Um, wow, that was that was a big uh, big step. So, career as sailing in Papua New Guinea, or did you move to New, um, Sydney? Yeah,
1: so my family still lived in Papua New Guinea, and basically the most sailing I'd done was there. But I knew I had to go to Australia to find work. Um, my brother-in-law. Had a few contacts because he used to race in in and around Brisbane, so he managed to pull a few strings and sort of get me as a well, a lackey basically. I used to <laughs> scrub decks and pick things out of the bilge and you know wait for the boat to come back in from sailing and give it another clean. <laughs> so that was my first job, and then uh, and then it just from there I just started doing more deliveries, getting asked to race, getting thrown around on the bow. You know, just being relentless, basically. And mm. uh, it just led from one thing to the other. And then I was skippering deliveries and I was looking after people's boats. And and then I
0: found myself at the CYC looking after a few boats. I was just thinking, if we take a step back, when you were 15, 16, you were doing deliveries. So what was that like for you? Just, a, It was a long time ago now, just <laughs> mainly,
1: mainly a big adventure. Um, it, it was you know, because I was just crew at that age just with, you know, competent people. So it was just basically learning and watching. And and it wasn't until a few years later when my dad bought a, a, a boat um, and we hired a skipper to help us bring it from Australia up to Papua New Guinea. Um, he, Stevie was his name. And he, after that, took me under his wing and sort of, we did hundreds and hundreds of miles together up and down the east coast of Australia and he used to make me navigate without, you know, the GPS just all on sort of land fix- fixes and well, just taught me so much about navigation and seamanship and the weather and, uh, mm. yeah, so I was very lucky.
0: By any chance, did you keep a logbook at all or of, of the miles that you did do?
1: Uh, yeah, I've, I've got it all written down somewhere, but
0: uh, <laughs> I try to keep them in a box because it gets a bit scary. Makes me feel old. Yes. <laughs> okay. So, uh, how did you get from just doing deliveries and up and down the coast to overseas uh, in one of the biggest races around the world? Uh, yes. Yeah, so, uh, so after I worked in
1: Sydney for a while, I went over to New Zealand and worked at the sail loft there, um, and then. I was over in Europe just to do another Hobie Regatta. Randomly, just got asked to go and do that, and I met um, Giovanni Soldini, who offered for me to go and do a delivery on his, um, at the time, uh, almost sixty Fila, mm-hmm. the trimaran. And uh, so I went and did that, and we dismasted in the middle of the North Sea, I think. I must be in the English Channel, and. Uh, <laughs> And then, oh, wow. yeah, so it was a big adventure. So we managed to get that back on board and got to land. And and then he offered me a job to sort of help get the boat ready then because we were delivering it to the start of the Jacques Vaab. So we were then in a rush to get the mast back together and the boat going again. So he offered me a job. And during that, he told me about an all-woman team that was preparing for the Volvo Ocean Race. This was in, two, this was in 2001. Uh, and uh, he said, you've got to go, you've got to go, give him a try. And I said, oh, geez, okay. So I kind of found my way all the way down to Spain and rocked up on the dock and sort of said, um, can I come? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the answer was no, basically. But there was a it was only a month or so before the start of the race and they'd kind of had their crew and the, they were wrapping up on the training and about to deliver the boats up to the UK. But there was a guys' team as well and they, they offered to take me for a sail.
0: So I think they just felt sorry for me. <laughs> so so the guys' team actually adopted you to go on the round-the-world no, 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 no. No, just for a sail up to Spain? Not even, just for a day sail, for a couple of hours.
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> and I kind of just, you know, ran around, did my thing. I was, think I was 20 years old so, you know, it was still a big adventure. Uh and then so I put my tail between my legs and I left, but I, I left them Giovanni's phone number and I went back up to help them. And just I think it was the day before Giovanni left to go on, his, on the race across the Atlantic. The Volvo had been and gone, it started, and they had just arrived in Cape Town and his phone rang and it was for me and it was Lisa MacDonald offering me a job on the Volvo boat because they needed a crew member for the next leg. <laughs> Oh,
0: wow. Yeah. yeah that, <laughs> oh, wow. And, and where were you when you got the phone call? I was
1: in uh, Con in France, in the north of France. Um, and wow. if it was two days later, I didn't have a phone or an email address or anything. If it was two days later, she wouldn't have been able to get hold of me.
0: So that was crazy. Because you would have been on the road back to Australia? Yeah, or... pretty much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was great. And then you ended up over there. What leg did you actually do with that? I,
1: I did the rest of the race with them. So I, oh. so basically I did the whole race except the first leg. So I joined in Cape Town. It was meant to be one leg and then it was Cape Town to Sydney. And when we got there, she said, righto, well, you, ma-
0: you might as well stay with us. So I did. Oh, that is amazing. Mm. That is amazing. And in those days, they were the… They were the 60s. Yeah. So,
1: uh, yeah, (laughs) they were the 60s. They were pretty hard boats to sail. and I was on the bow, so I spent a lot of time. And they were still symmetric kites back then, so you had to, you know, job the big
0: spinnaker pole and a lot of stacking. And I remember it was pretty epic. Well, it definitely, and also, as you mentioned um you're not very tall <laughs> at all. Uh, tell us a little bit about the challenges that you faced because of your size or or were they challenges, or did you just go, go about doing things differently uh well,
1: I was lucky the other the other girl on the bow bridget she's pretty small as well, so we kind of <laughs> we kind of just did everything <laughs> the same way, which is lucky but uh You know, I I had never, I didn't even know what the Southern Ocean was, you know, I didn't realise it was going to be that cold. I'd never, I'd never worn sailing boots before. I'd always had really shitty wet weather gear. I'd never seen snow, let alone icebergs, because back then we didn't have ice limits. So we were in the, in the ice. And uh, yeah, (laughs) as for my size, I I didn't really think about it back then. It was, it, it was all about, you know, trying to do my job without making a fool of myself and. And not letting mm. the team
0: down and, uh, and surviving, really. <laughs> so tell us a bit about um, the differences between the 60s and have you raced on the 70s? Uh,
1: I haven't raced on the 70s, but with Team SCA, we had a 70 as a training boat before we got our 65.
0: That's yeah. right, yeah. So what were what some of the differences? And I know the boats, um, different designs, different years, more technology, slicker, faster. Um, for you, what was what was the major difference between the sixty, the seventy, and the sixty-five? Um,
1: the sixty, I remember everything just being so hard, and it just being freezing the whole time in the south. Um, you know, it was as I said, it was it was spin it was. Uh, symmetric spinnakers we always had to go out on the we spent as bowmen we spent our lives hanging out the end of the pole going up to the mar- top of the mast because sometimes we'd have to put safeties on because the locks weren't very um, reliable if the locks failed when we were mm-hmm. trying to get sails down in big wind we'd have to go up and spike the top of the spinnaker and things like that it's just stuff that doesn't happen these days you know so it was, <laughs> mm. <laughs> it, was uh, it was it was just amazing and just Uh, I don't know, we had like 17 sails stacked on the rail on the 60s and so you imagine every manoeuvre would take like as about an hour. We'd have to move all the sails and there wasn't enough room on deck for them, not in the stack, so we'd have Mm. to put some down below, drag them back out again. Jibing was just a major. (laughs) Yes, it would have been. And there was, was you know, the boats weren't going as fast as the 70s but they were still just as wet, just less impact. So, and downstairs mm. the boats were, you know, that were Kevlar. So the noises and the, the bending was just horrendous and they were full of water ballast. We didn't have canting keels. So there was just, yep. the, t- in bo- the insides of the boats were tiny and you were, your bunk was basically against the water, water tank. So you could hear the sloshing of the water all the time and the exhaust the exhaust, yeah. the exhaust um, went out through, the, through a tube through our bunks And uh, so, you know, you constantly felt like you wanted to go the loo because there was water noises everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) And then the the top bunk was head to toe, head to toe. It was one long bunk that you couldn't adjust. So when you'd go down a wave, the girl behind you, you know, they'd just like hammer into your shoulders or your head with their feet. Oh, gee. (laughs) But it was, and you could stir the cooking pot from, from where you were sitting on the toilet, which was always a little bit of a giggle.
0: So. Yeah. yeah. Oh, look. <laughs> and then getting onto the, the
1: 70. Yeah. So I loved the 70. Um, it, I mean, a massive boat compared to the 60, and inside, just huge, you know, because you've got the canton keel, you've only got the aft and the forward water ballast and stuff. But um, yeah. I absolutely loved it, you know. Also, I was training to be the boat captain. So there was just so much, so much to tinker with, and the technology was just out of this world in comparison to the 60s. And uh, with all the systems mm. and the keel and the hydraulics and the sailing hydraulics and the, you know, just everything. So it was a massive learning curve for me. But sailing-wise, I think it's the funnest boat I've ever, funnest monohull I've yeah. ever sailed.
0: It st- still is. Oh. And then you started your journey on the 65s <laughs> around the world. Now, um, I get goosebumps just thinking about what you've achieved. I've <laughs> done
1: two races on the 65 now. So, um and each, mm-hmm. both were completely different campaigns. You know, Team SCA was a really, really well-funded, very, um, you know, we had nearly a two-year lead-up. We trained on the 70. We then got the 65. We then trained with both boats with a massive team. And uh, throughout the whole race, we had a huge team that we kind of rotated on and off uh, around the world, which was, you know, so we always had lots of fresh bodies, new ideas and, you know keeping it real. Um, and we had, we had big support in, in our coaches and our support team. And, uh, it was kind of, we never really wanted for anything and we were, we were quite spoiled really. Um, but amazing times on the, on the water, as you can imagine, and always learning. It was, we were the team, you know, with the most to learn, um, as we were, we turned the tide as well, but, um, I just remember it's just getting better and better every leg, and you know we won a leg. That was probably the highlight of the team SCA project was winning the leg into Lorient, because um, it was a pretty tough yeah. leg. It was short, but you know intense,
0: <laughs>
1: and uh, yeah. yeah, it was pretty cool. And
0: would that have been your second um, passage in the Southern Ocean?
1: Uh, no, so that, yeah, I, in between my Volvo's, I, I did a I did a a trial run on a boat from the north of France round to New Zealand, so went into through the Southern Ocean okay. as well. So third time around Cape of Good Hope, but only second time around the Horn.
0: You sailed with some of uh, some amazing couple of other women on the SCA boat, lovely ladies <laughs> from Aussie, Stacey Jackson, uh, Sophie Sizek yourself and who who else was there on the boat sorry I'm just thinking of uh, Australians well we
1: we've got adopted Australian yeah.
0: Abby yep Abby, <laughs> she spent a lot yep. of time in Australia
1: and Caroline Brower she basically lives in Australia these days
0: now your next adventure maiden how did that come about
1: yeah so um, when when I first spoke to Tracy about jumping on Maiden, it was actually about being a crew member for um, a leg down to Chile. And then uh, when she actually phoned me, she said, well, we're actually looking for a skipper. So uh, I was like, oh, okay. So um, it was an amazing opportunity for me, you know, to try and hone up on any leadership skills and, you know, I needed more people skills <laughs> and all that sort of stuff. So uh, mm-hmm. And there was also going to be a lot of sort of public uh, public talking and lots of communication, everything in which sort of I know, and I've also been told by other people that I need to work on. So I thought it was going to be an amazing mm-hmm. opportunity for me, um, but also it's kind of a, what a cool boat to jump on for a few months, you know, because it's kind of a everything that I have kind of come from. You know, it was the first all female boat in the in the Whitbread. My first race was an all-female team in, in the Volvo and so it all kind mm-hmm. of, it kind of made sense. So I said, well, you know, why not? Let's do this. <laughs> and the the route was meant to be from uh, from Los Angeles down to Chile and then around Cape Horn to Uruguay and then up to the Caribbean. But there was a few complications and the weather wasn't looking great. And before I joined the boat, the um, the program was changed and we ended up going from LA to San Diego, then through the Panama Canal into the Caribbean. And is that where COVID hit? (laughs) Yeah, pretty. So we were in the Caribbean and then the girls took a bit of leave and I stayed in the Caribbean to service a lot of the systems on the boat. And then uh, we ended up doing the Caribbean 600 and the Heineken regatta. And at the end of the Heineken regatta Mm -hmm. is when things started to go pear-shaped on the planet we kind of had to put a plan together and sadly the the whole summer tour for the boat was uh, cancelled or postponed hopefully and we tucked the boat up in Antigua waiting for a ship to go to the UK but i had to i had to leave early because australia was closing its borders and i didn't want to i wanted to make sure yeah. i got home with women wanting to get on maiden how is that actually decided five permanent crew that includes the skipper engineer first mate um, uh, onboard reporter and sailmaker um, and every, all of those five sail the boat um, as well as the onboard reporter and uh, offshore we mm-hmm. sail with either eight or nine uh, and they can be even mile builders uh, which are girls who want to get gain more experience offshore sailing and they come on board um, yeah. and we mentor them and teach them and anything specific that they that they want to do or learn we we try to sort of incorporate that Uh, or you can come on board as a guest in in which and that's just in exchange for donation to the foundation
0: yeah oh that's amazing I I don't think a lot of people are aware of that that you can uh, put your hand up and get on such a yeah so there's basically
1: there's generally four spots available on every leg that they do and it's all it's all the information's on the website you go on and apply via website and then uh, the skipper at the time has last say of who comes on board, of course. Um, and then inshore racing, so the Heineken regatta that we did, um, we're actually allowed by insurance to have 12 people on board. So we raced the boat with 12 people so that we had, uh, had seven people who had never sailed the boat before come along and do the, those races with us. So That was pretty cool. Oh,
0: um, that is pretty cool, actually. That's cr- great. So what's next for you? Is Maiden going to resume and pick up where they left off or do you know what plans are afoot for Tracy? Uh, and well Maiden? I mean
1: I guess with everything, everything is uncertain at the moment, but um, I was actually two yeah. weeks two weeks away from the, the end of my contract with Maiden so I was swapping out regardless um, uh, at the end of March because I was meant to be going back to Europe and um, doing corporate some corporate sailing on one of the Volvo 65s. Maiden arrived okay. on the ship in the UK three days ago, I believe, and uh, it's a uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, marina in Hamble has been kind enough to offer it a berth, so it's in Hamble, and th- you know the whole schedule. The, the boat was meant to be in the states for a few months before it headed over to the UK in time for Cow's Week, and then after that, continue on its world tour. So, um, at this stage, I <laughs> I, I don't want to speculate. <laughs> Um, but I'm. But I'm. I'm sure they yeah, as soon as no. um, as soon as it's possible they will be continuing on their endeavours one way or another. Yeah. What's next for you? Well, tomorrow Liz? the wind's coming up, so probably a bit of kite surfing. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> um, but uh, I mean, my my goal is to do the next uh, ocean race, as it's called now. Um. So. Whatever I can do within my powers at the moment to, to get there, I am doing, and in that I'm keeping as fit and healthy as possible. I've set up a gym on my balcony, and I'm, mm. I'm pumping iron every day and going out and getting a lot of cardio in forms of surfing, kiting, running, paddling, um, and keeping in contact yep. with all the potential teams, basically, and that's, that's pretty much all I, all I can do.
0: You sent me an amazing photo uh, hanging off the kites what is the background to that uh, so body?
1: basically well as, as a bowman if you've had one and only put one sheet on you suddenly want to jive <laughs> you've got to go out there and put another one on <laughs> or a lot of the time we when we know we're on one jive for a long time we'll just have two sheets run one side um one as a safety um and sometimes the quickest way to relead it's just to go out take it off relead it around the boat uh or if or if we're about to peel, we go out and take a sheet off or change sheets if we've got to re- have a re-lead on the deck. Or There's a million reasons why we go out there, but, um, yeah. Yep. It's it's, it's, generally, it's a great shot. It's a it's really, really good shot. It's not just for this photo, but you generally get a pretty good photo out of it.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really lovely to chat with you today, Liz, and if there were any words that you could leave with us to inspire or empower women sailors what Um, would they be I guess
1: I mean it's not just for women sailors either really it's anyone sort of up and coming who wants to get into sailing it's just basically don't take no for an answer sort of if if you want something that bad you've just got to keep keep working towards it and keep striving and if someone says no ask why you know and then go and work on that and come back and say righto I'm ready now, let's go. And, or, you know, move on to the next person, but just keep, keep pushing. It's only you that's going to make the difference. The biggest thing I found was, you know, you, you can throw your CV out there, you can send it to a 1,000 people. Only one person will ever, you know, reply back saying thank you. But don't wait for the phone to ring, you know. It's, 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 it's not about you waiting for them to come to you. It's about you going to them and persevering you know it it's it's not annoying for having been on the side of people trying to get jobs with me it's it's not annoying it's actually sometimes someone phones you right at the perfect time and it's like oh perfect all right you're on you know so it's 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 not <laughs> yeah. luck it's making
0: making it work for you and creating the uh, you know the opportunities for yourself please thank you so so much and i'm sure those words will inspire some some women or gentlemen to get out there and pursue their dream of yacht racing, especially offshore. So thank you again. Okay, and Thank you. Have a terrific you. day. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening today. And if you would like to find out more, please visit our Facebook page, Sailing Women's Network Australia. You can also contact us via our website, sailingwomensnetwork.com.au. Have a great day.